welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Let's pull our Bibles open and uh, we are going to read from Galatians chapter 6. Oh, it's not, it's not doing the face lock because the microphone's in front of my face. That's what Okay, good. So, Galatians chapter 6, and if you're just jumping our second last week on the series of Galatians. Now, just a heads up. After this series, our next series, we're going to have a couple of weeks off uh, with a particular uh, teaching series or teaching theme. But our next teaching series, starting in around about October, probably mid to late October, is called Why Church? Why Church? Especially coming out of COVID. I'm sure a lot of us have been asking the question, what's the purpose? Why do we do this? What, what, what about services? Our Sunday services, what about discipleship? What does community look like? And I'm looking forward to getting together with our eldership in next week, I think. We're going to be exploring what we feel Holy Spirit has been saying to us and to not make assumptions that what God has spoken to us in the past is what He's saying to us moving forward. We've got to keep holding things before God and ask Him to direct us. This is Jesus' church. Hello? It's not mine, it's not yours. We're part of the church, we're part of the family, but he's the boss. He's So he gets to say and do what he wants, and we just get caught up in the journey. So Galatians chapter 6, but I want to get a little bit of a run-up, a bit of a head start. We're going to go from verse 25 of chapter 5. We're going to read verse 25 and 26, and then we're going to read the 10 verses, the first half of Galatians chapter 6. Okay, so I've asked Josie if she would start reading, just to give us a big picture in the message uh, version. Josie, if you would stand and read with us, please, from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And as I'm making Josie stand, would we stand? Can we do that? If you're able to, why don't you join us? Let's stand just for today as we read the Bible. Um, it, it also helps remind us of the importance of the Scripture and to show respect. Um, and so I've, I've been enjoying doing that in this season. Thanks, Josie. Verse 25 of Galatians 5. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better or another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Chapter 6. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best life. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into it a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. Show for his 
sorry, all he'll have to show for his love is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry of both of your word and of your spirit. We ask that this is not just something that speaks to our heads, but to our hearts. We're so mindful that your spirit brings life. So we pray for life in Jesus this morning as we explore together. And all the people said, Amen. All right, give someone an air five if you're happy to, and grab it. we go. No touchy, touchy. <laughs> uh, I sometimes have too much fun on Sunday mornings. Let's get straight into it. Okay, so to give you some context, if you haven't picked up yet, there is a strong recurring theme in Paul's writing here to the churches of Galatia, that was a province in, in, in Turkey, modern day Turkey, I should say, and he's saying, hey, you gospel, you've got to get back to the truth of the message by which you are saved and being saved. And that message is that Jesus has done it. It's finished. It's completed. Finito. Accomplished. And there's nothing that we can do that could add value to that truth. Because Jesus has done it all in terms of our salvation and the redemptive work within, that then propels us, that truth, that revelation, it propels us forward in the life that we live. Against some Christians that have been taught that uh, we can add to the great work of Jesus by adding certain rituals and ceremonies and acts like circumcision. And that we can do that to help God along. And Paul's like, no, you guys are being numbskulls. That's not the case. If, if, if it's not true that Jesus finished it all, what, what, what point is it then? ...to the message of the cross is to take away from its power. For us as believers, we, ha we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But what's interesting is that our faith is never really alone. It shows itself with fruit. And so Pastor Bob touched on Galatians chapter 5, the last half of it, last week. And if you haven't got those notes, I, I would hope we still have notes available, do we, at reception? Yep, go see someone at reception last week. And the conversation Paul has in the last two chapters of Galatians, chapter 5 and chapter 6, is all about the outworking, the implication of us grasping the gospel truth that Jesus has died for our sin. And he has overcome that sin and shame and guilt. He has overcome death and Satan for us. And that we just have to believe in that truth and the nation shows itself with a transformed life. And so Paul starts to talk about fruit that starts to pop up. He says, look, if we live in the flesh, if we try and, and lean upon our own works of the flesh, we're doomed. Sin just pops up left, right, and center. These works of the flesh. We can see sins like um, drunkenness and sexual immorality. Those great lists in Galatians chapter 5. And he juxtaposes these works of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit. There is a work 
or there is fruit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit like? Well, when we are planted in Him, the Spirit naturally produces this fruit. It's not our work. It's His work that produces fruit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we can tell that God is at work in someone by the power of the Spirit, not by the gifts of the Spirit, but by the fruit of the Spirit. And I've been really challenged sitting this last week as I've been chewing through this. I'm like, why is it that we often elevate and pedestalize gifts of the Spirit and we don't champion when we see fruit of the Spirit? When we can see the church at Corinth they, they, they moved in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, but they were still very immature. Paul's like, hey, you can do all of those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But if there's no love, which is the fruit of the Spirit, then what, 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 of what use? But the fruit of the Spirit, well, that's an evidence. When I see the fruit of the Spirit, I see the Spirit producing love and peace and patience. I want to celebrate what God is doing in you. For me, that's an evidence of the transformed life. That's an evidence of the Spirit at work. So we pick up at the end of chapter 5 and verse 25. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us not become, excuse me, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading parts of our lives. Oh, there we go. Some of you are awake. You've got to make sure I'm preaching truth. That's why you bring your Bibles. That, that may not be true. I might be making that up up there. Hey, bring your Bibles, know it, study it, enjoy it. In every part of your life, every part, every part. Verse 26, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. That word can also be in a little translation. That's an important word because the whole chapter 6 actually comes back to this thing. That, that word could probably, it's a tricky word in our English language. It's more than just being conceited. A better translation uh, might be something like vainglorious. It might be vainglorious. Don't be vainglorious. Don't be self-promoting. Don't be boastful. Don't trust in your own efforts. Isn't that the message of Galatians as a whole? That the gospel is not about our efforts. Don't, don't have too much pride in your own abilities. Don't have pride in your own achievements. As though we can do anything. No, it's Him in us. Every good and perfect thing comes from above, James says. Every good and perfect thing. And so we see later on, we'll talk about this next week, at the end of chapter 6, Paul says, hey, I boast in the cross. I brag about the cross. It's, not, it's what Jesus has done. Oh, I'm looking forward to next week. And so Paul says, don't be vainglorious. Don't be conceited. Don't think that you're all that in a bag of potato chips. Don't provoke one another. Don't be jealous of one another. And then it goes on the next verse. And we know that we, we, we heard that uh, there was, when, when this was originally written as a letter, there were no chapters and verses. It was one continuous document. So it says, then, dear brother, beginning of a letter. It's dear. He's saying, hey, dear, my beloved, listen here. My beloved brothers and sisters, if another believer, not a non-believer, not a non-Christian, if there is another Christian that is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, your version might say spiritual. That's not airy-fairy spiritual, super spiritual. That's if you have the Holy Spirit, who has the Holy Spirit, you should gently and humbly beat that person up. No, gently and humbly help that person. 
gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. Verse 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Taking notes, write this down. Let his life in you be loved through you. Let his life in you be loved through you. How do you know that his life is in you and working deep down? It shows itself with a natural love for others. That if God's Spirit is doing a work in you, this vain glory, this, this provocation of others, that, that this jealousy, or your version might say envy, the door, and God produces this love, this genuine love, this agape, unconditional love for those around about. Well, how do you do that? Have you ever come across another Christian that you just don't like very much? Oh, you might love them, but you don't like them. I remember having a conversation with Jesus one day. And I was, having, I was having this issue in my heart with this person. I love this person, Lord, but do I honestly have to like them? This was a real genuine question that I had with God. Because I was struggling in my heart with this person. Do I have to like them? What do I do there? But if the Holy Spirit's at work, he produces this amazing love. I can't show his love unless I know his love. To those who is forgiven much, loves much. To receive the revelation from where you've come from and what you've been saved from, it's going to limit your capacity to show love and grace to others. This is why the gospel message is not just God loves you and you're amazing and you're going to take on the world and you're going to dominate and you're going to change the world. It's more, are you kidding me? The gospel message is we are, we are sin and we are sick. But there is a God that loves us so much that he takes us. He redeems us. He restores us and he reconciles with us graciously, sovereignly, providentially. And he says, I love you so much. If you would just know, if you would just know. So for me to get a full grasp of the grace of God, but that, that, that undeserved merit or undeserved favor, I've got to, un God, would you show me the depth of my depravity for which you love me from and through, where you brought me to now? Wow. And the more that I walk with Jesus, <laughs> the more that I see how incapable I was to save myself. The more that I come, the, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I become aware of my faults. And it's not, it's not a sense that, oh, I, I'm so bad and ugly. No, that's not what it is. Like, wow, that, wow, you love me in spite of all of that. You love me. And so that revelation in me then causes me to show love and grace to others. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently listen back onto the right path. Some sin. What does that mean? That means I'm going to get my magnifying glass out and I'm going to have a look at you. And if I can find sin in you, and I said that's not what mature love does. Mature love does not go around 
um, and put people under the microscope to try and check them. I'm a fruit inspector, and if I don't see fruit, I'm coming down with an anvil on you. I am going to, boom. No. As we do life and as we do community, community and loving community is so good. One of the great reasons that we get to know one another. We get to develop and cultivate trust with, with each other and respect and communication in God, that things come up. And if we really love one another, I'll be able to see in a loving way, oh, brother, I don't know if you can see this, but there are things in your life that I think is hindering you. And maybe you don't see it, but can I just in love, can I come in, in, in gentleness and humility, come and help? I think your mouth's getting in a bit of trouble, hey? That gossip, it doesn't bode well. Like it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's hindering your walk. It's hindering and harming other people. Can I just share something with you in a way that's, that's gentle and humble? You, the way that you talk, not just gossip, then what, what, what if someone is constantly being abusive with their language or cursing? Just if God puts it on your heart, you love that person. Let me in loving relationship something. Hey, can I also talk to you? Look, I don't know if you realize this, but... Um, I find that you're constantly thinking about yourself, brother. And can I say, it's actually harming your kids or your wife or your husband. And you're constantly being greedy. Can I just share something with you biblically? This is what. The danger is if, if we do this with an arrogant tone and not out of love or gentle, if, we, if we're doing this to make ourselves feel in gloriousness, that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, don't, don't, don't think you're that good. You don't, don't do it from that disposition. Because some of us, I know I've been guilty of this. I have looked at the faults of others to subconsciously puff myself up on the inside because I'm so insecure. Paul is saying, if Jesus is in you and the Spirit of God is in you, stuff will come up. And we have a responsibility to, in love, in gentleness, and in help people. Help them get onto the right path. Help them along. And I've got to be secure enough in God, even though I struggle sometimes to cop that on the chin and go, you know what, I think you've got, I think you've got a point there. Now, you can speak truth to me, and truth is truth. But I tell you what, when truth is mixed with love, it's a bit easier for me. Anyone tasted medicine before with just a little bit of sugar? My kids like some medicines more than other because of the sugar content I found. Right? But my kids who are less mature, they kind of, it makes a difference to them what something tastes like, <laughs> they're either going to close their mouth, spit it out, or they're going to swallow it. And what I've found is the less mature amongst us, it really does help us. Which means for someone, for some of us that are more mature, we should be looking for truth wherever possible, irrespective of it being done. I'm going to upset some people there. But for those that are more vulnerable, for those of us that are struggling, we need as much as possible truth in love. Now, let's look at that gentleness and humility. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul also writes this. Always be humble and gentle. He couples those two. Always gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, Paul says. Jesus, the only time that Jesus talks about his own character in Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to read from verse 28 to 30, it says this. The only time Jesus talks about himself.
Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I... Next verse, thanks. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Last verse, thank you. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I am humble and gentle. So, if the Holy Spirit's at work, the life of Jesus is evidentless, will ooze from us. And with that same humility and gentleness then, I have a responsibility to come and help in a loving way to help get you on the right path. That's why community is so important. Kind of flies in the face of our modern culture, which is, which is screaming relativism and that truth of jewel. Who has the right to talk to you that way? Who has the right to tell you what to do? Who has the right to tell you that what you believe is wrong and what you believe is right? Who has the right to do that? How dare you? I'm offended. I'm deeply offended. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to cancel you. Give me a break. Yeah. In community and in loving community, this happens. We love each other too much to not talk. In my family, I have, I have challenging conversations with my kids and my wife at times, and they do with me. Just because it's awkward doesn't mean you don't have them, but I know that there's love there. I know that there's commitment there. I know there's relationship there. And my wife, man, the Holy Spirit speaks through her. I promise you that right now. Any husbands attest to that. Sometimes I get mixed up when I call Kylie. Sorry, God. Sorry, Holy Spirit. I, I jest. But God speaks audibly. Listen to what God might be saying through yours. I don't like their tone. Sift through that, if you can. Is there any truth there? Is God speaking? Share one another's burdens. That's a big one. Be careful not to fall into the same temptations and in this way obey the law of Christ. What does it mean to share another burden? What is a burden? What is a burden? Translated there, the burden can be seen as something excessively heavy. We're not just talking about responsibility. We're talking about, we're talking about something really heavy. And, 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 and perhaps you've got it today. You've got a burden. It could be something that you feel is so overwhelming that you just can't carry yourself. I'm not just talking about sin or that is slipping you up. And this is an important point. We have got to be careful to not judge others because they sin differently to us. We all sin. And so we cannot criticize, condemn, or judge one another. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, what happens when we're, ha when we're having, a, 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 maybe someone in our family has just, has just passed away and we this is, I can't get through this. I can't do this by myself. This is a burden that just seems too much. Or there's separation in our family. This is too much. It can't carry this. This is too much. It's just too much. Perhaps there's a financial weight that's just too much for you to carry. You can't get through. I can't do this. I need some help. And what Paul is saying here, you've got to help. You, you, maybe you can't carry. You can't carry that, but you're going to need someone. But if someone helps, if they share in that, it becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? When someone else helps. Thanks, Gary. You are one good, strapping young lad. I can't believe you're single. I can tell you've been working out, bro. 
Say this was 50K, let's say. It's not, but let's say if it was, and I can't carry 50K, that's beyond my limit. If I have someone else to lift half of it, that's 25. That I can do. That I can do. Imagine if a third person comes in. Well, it's easy again, isn't it? Four people, it becomes easier. So when we have these moments, and we're like, I'm so overwhelmed. Be humble enough to let someone come in and help you. Don't let pride stop you. For those of us that can, for those of us that are spiritual, for those of us that are godly, look out for people and in humility and gentleness, come along and say, hey, can I help you? Listen, I can see you're struggling with your finances. I can see that there's a lot that you're carrying here. I can see that there is, there is a huge emotional, relational issue in your life. Can I just help you? Well, listen, even just to be there. <laughs> Sometimes we're carrying so much and... I, and even just the smallest offer to help or listen can change everything. I've given this story before, but I couldn't help shake this story out of my head this week when I was um, just prepping. Uh, when I took on the leadership of the church back in 2000, I felt like just the weight of the world was on my shoulders. We were struggling financially. There's only a couple of, of, of us on staff and do this. I, 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 you know, I had a crash course in how to, how to pastor a church. The transition was like three months. I don't know what was going on. What do I do? I, 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 and I just felt there were so many different things to consider. And I felt on top of that, the spiritual weight. So um, it's not just a, a physical or a psychological. I felt a spiritual weight on top of that. And I tell you, one guy that came and just did one small thing that just, oh, helped me so much. That was Trev Wiseman. Trev Wiseman came in on one day. He, he got a bucket and he got a cloth. And he went into throughout the office, in my offices, in the areas that it, when we were back in Westchester Road, and he just started cleaning the perspex because they were filthy. And I'm thinking, oh, that's another thing I've got to do. And when you're in that moment, you, at times you can think irrationally. Well, I was just so overwhelmed and anxious. I'm like, oh, no, that's another thing. He just came and said, what can I do? I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know what you can do in terms of a pastoral sense or leadership transition sense. But that needs doing. And so Trev came in and he spent a lot of that day on the inside of those fluoros. Just something small like that. And that has always stuck with me. I wonder how often we might be able to do that for one another. Maybe we haven't got the answers, but just to show that we're with someone, something as small as that. Let his life in you be loved through you. It shows itself in action. Let's read on verse 3. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Oh, come on, Paul. That's a bit harsh. Can we put that up on the screen? I want to make sure that I'm telling the truth here. If anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. NLT? If you think you're too important to yourself, you are not that important. Oh, yeah, but my therapist says I'm going to take on the world. My therapist told me about self-esteem. And my therapist told me I'm all that. Yeah, you are. In God, you are. In God, you are. But it's not because of you. It's because of him in you. That right there is part of the gospel message. You're not that important. But he is. And with him, this is how important you are. To him, you're important. He loves you so much that it is. he came in, lived with, dined alongside, and is now loving through his people. Let's read on. Pay careful attention 
to your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Don't compare yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy. For we are each our own conduct. Your literal translation might say, for each will have to bear his own load. Each will have to bear his own load. But we just read before, share each other's burdens. And here he says, bear your own load. Well, what's the difference? There is a key difference there. A burden is something that's, that's too much for us to handle. But, but a load can be translated something like luggage or a backpack. In fact, it could, the, the, the same root word was a military term to bear your own load. To keep. We've all got responsibilities. We've got to carry our own cross. There are things that we've got to own up to that we've got to carry. And Jesus is with us in that process. So if you've got your stuff, there are certain things that only you can do, but there are certain things I can help you with. And that's where we need discernment. So check yourself before you wreck yourself and make sure you work out, is this mine to carry? Is that yours to carry? I'll overinflate myself. Let me not overindulge in myself. Hang on a second. Don't you know who I am? Don't you see how important I am? someone's in the spirit right now self-inflation leads to abdication what does that mean well if i think i'm that important then i'm gonna i'm gonna cast off my responsibility to love you and serve you if i think i'm too good to help you and come alongside i'm not exercising love am i Some of us this morning might need a reality check. Do you subconsciously think you're better than everyone else? That's a word for me. Do I think that I'm better than anyone else here? There's no good one here. There's only one person that matters, and that's Jesus. People that don't know Jesus, they're walking down the streets. I, in my heart, I could judge them. How could that person be so wasteful? How could they be shooting up, drinking up, sleeping around, whatever it is? I've got to remember the only difference between me and that person is Jesus. He's the only difference. And if he is making his home in my heart and not me. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, there's that word again, Count others more significant than yourselves. What, what, what is he saying? Hey, just think about other people and put them first. Don't put yourself first. Remember that word conceited, vainglorious. No, put yourself. This is the life of Jesus. He served, he uplifted, he put others first. He gave up his life for others. It says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Can you say it says Warning. Warning, warning, danger, danger. Don't think you are better than you really are. Oh man, that's a real pep talk. That hurts, that hurts my feelings. Oh, my heart's sore, I've got a broken heart again. Paul loves us too much to muck around with the truth. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. No one is above the law of love. No one. Even Michael Jackson, you know, 
He knew what it was about. You know, he wrote a song, right, checking, checking himself out. He goes, I started with a man in the mirror. I'm asking him to I sound like him, don't I? No message can be any clearer. He goes, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. So what's he saying? He's like, hey, look, if you, if you want to be someone, have a look at yourself first, right? If there's stuff in you that needs to be worked, if you've got to carry stuff, if you've got to just carry your own stuff, carry your own load, work on your stuff. What is it? They all got it. Don't look at your neighbor and, you know, What's that person? Hey, husband, are you listening to this? You got stuff. <laughs> the husbands are too shy to, because they, <laughs> they don't want to get in trouble, why not? You're laughing awkwardly because you know I'm telling the truth right now. Have an honest assessment with God about where you're at with Him. Is there any part of our hearts selves up? Is there stuff we're avoiding? Is there stuff we got to own up? I put in my notes, I thought it was kind of cute. Avoid Satan's bluff and own your stuff. That's cool, eh? What, 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 what's, what was Satan responsible for? He thought he was, he thought it was greater than God. Didn't end up, and we can, we can give in to that same Lie that we're the Messiahs. We've got all the answers. Hey, I've got no answers for all I can do is point you to Jesus. That's the best thing I can do for you. Let's read verse 6 to 10, and we're going to land this. Verse 6 Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. I, I got so, I got, see, he, Paul is talking here about financially supporting the pastors and the teachers that were there. And I was thinking, I'm so grateful that we have a church family that are so faithful with the giving because I get to do this and be supported by you. I don't take that for granted. Can I say, church, thank you so much for your faithful generosity. I know it's to God, but I'm supported. I get to serve God in this capacity because of you sharing like this. This is a bit, and I want to say thank you so very much. Let's read on. Those who were taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Verse 7, don't be misled. Your version might say, don't be deceived. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time, your version might say in due season, at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing, and here's, an, here's a conditional here, if, if we don't give up. Therefore, or because of this, whenever we have the opportunity, not just when we're in the good mood, when we're feeling the warm fuzzies, when we're feeling the unction of the Holy Spirit. No. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. What's he saying? So intentionally and love 
generously. Every single one of us, we are single day. Whether you know it or not, you know you're sowing. You're sowing of your time. You're sowing of your energy. You're sowing of your finances, whether you know it or not. After the church service today, I'm going to be sowing probably in a Hungry Jacks with my kids. I'm sowing into their business in Jesus' name because I want some cheap burgers and chips with my kids. <laughs> Every single day, we are sowing somewhere. And what Paul's saying is, be intentional. Be intentional. Flesh, sow to the Spirit. If you want to get a good picture of your future, look at where you're sowing today. There's no doubt about it. That what we sow today, we will reap tomorrow. God cannot be mocked on this. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, you can't mock the justice of God. What a man sows, he will reap. If you sow dissension, if you sow lies, if you sow maliciousness in any relationship, at some point it's going to come back. God can't be mocked. Love, if you sow joy, if you sow, sow peace, have a guess what? I have never seen this more real than with my beautiful kids. I love them, my three little girls. They're not so little anymore. I get emotional talking about it. My three daughters. Kylie, st- my wife started full-time work at the beginning of the year. And what that meant is that for us, we've got a busier household now. And so, um, you know, I'm up in the mornings at about 6, 6.30. I'll go. And then sometimes my kids will come and sit me and we'll read our Bible. We'll talk. We'll pray together. And we get up. We get ready. And um, uh, get them ready for school. Feed them. I'll take them to school in the morning. Kylie goes out early out the door. The house is a bit messier, but I'm getting more time with my kids. And I'm, I, I see this. I, I am seeing now the fruit of just a few months of spending more time being intentional with how I'm sowing. I see this as an investment. I was like, oh, I've got to do it. Oh, my goodness. And then I get home at about 5.30. Honestly, I'm cactus. I feel really tired. I just do. I don't know how single parents do it. You single parents are amazing. I get up at 5.30. I'm like, okay, I've got to be switched on. I've got to be ready. Right? Leave my work. As soon as I get home... I don't want your calls. I want to answer your emails. I want you to answer your SMSs unless it's absolutely urgent. I'll be with my kids. I'll sit down with them with, with dinner. If they haven't done their homework, I'll do their homework. I'll make sure I tuck them in a bed. If they haven't done the showers at all, that sort of stuff. And then at about 8 o'clock, maybe I can have some dinner now. <laughs> but do you know one of my favorite things in the morning is just being with them or walking them to class? It's amazing. I get to walk them to school. Why am I enjoying that so much? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But you know, I also believe that where you, where you put your treasure, your heart also follows. Because I'm seeing I am putting investment and energy and time and love into these kids, I just, I kind of love them. Like, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt so much. I'm like, oh, okay. I still love you. And God has invested so much into us. Where you sow, you'll eventually reap. Whereas if I'm an absent father now, when they're 18, I, I want my relationship back with my kids. It's a lot harder. I've heard story after story. Let's make the most of our relationships. Let's keep being intentional. I saw that word come up in, in the prayer this morning. Thank you. Thank you, the, the intercessors. You, you, you're reading through my notes. So with, with, with intentionality and sowing, how do we understand sowing? Well, it's, it's, it's purely an out of, a matter for faith. You've got to understand faith. I saw Hebrews 11.6 and Hebrews 11.1 1 as well. 
that without faith it's impossible to please God. What, 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 what is faith? Is, it says, the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So when I sow, this is what this faith offering is about, it's sowing, I'm giving, I'm investing, I am trusting that at the appropriate time there will be a harvest. There will be a harvest. Look at Pastor Bob. We honored Bob and Margaret last week. Look at the years, the decades that they've invested, that they've sown. And now we see across the world, there is a harvest. There is a crop. Cannot be mocked on this. He cannot be mocked. This is not just a a principle that Christians understand. I mean, Buddhists call it karma. You've heard yin and yang. What goes around comes around, the natural person might say. Cause and effect, you might hear. Retributive justice is what the Eastern religion teach. Action and reaction. Us back with the physical, uh, the physicist background would say. Right? They're, they're all a universal principle that if, if you sow, you will reap. So where are you sowing? And are you being intentional about it? What we sow makes a difference. If I sow apple seeds, I'm going to get an apple tree. If I sow oranges, what am I going to get? Oranges. I'm going to get an orange tree. If I sow discord, what am I going to get? I'm going to get... But if I sow love, I'll get that back. What you sow, where you sow, where, where you sow is important, and how much you sow. I was talking to John Ford, and I'll finish with this. Just, uh, I spent some time with this this week, and we're talking about farming in Ireland. And, and, and John's uh, one of our pastors, and he's Irish, he's got an Irish background. I said, oh, pastor. <laughs> I said, tell me about the farming over in Ireland. Said, We're jo- we've got a good relationship. I'm not being disrespectful. But I said, oh. He says, oh, there are taters, brother. And I said, and the peat. Oh, the peat. And the taters. We saw the potatoes. He says, there are potatoes everywhere over there. Now, as farmers, the Irish farmers, they'll sow potatoes, and in the ground... When you look at the ground, there's nothing there. But to the farmer that has sown, he knows. He knows. Because he understands the concept of seed time and harvest. He knows that he'll sow in the ground. You can drive past that same parchment of land, and you're like, oh, it's just a... farmer knows that at some point, there's going to be a crop. There's going to be a harvest. So I want to encourage you, friends. For those of you that have sown, just trust God. In due season, at the appropriate time, there will be a reaping. There will be. Children consider two words. Thanks, Colleen. They consider two words really challenging in the English dictionary. You know, the most, the most uh, despised word from children, they survey children, is no. But the, most, <laughs> the second most despised yet. Can we? Are we there? Not yet. Can I have it now? Not yet. They hate that word. I wonder if us as believers, how do we treat when God gives us a not yet? And he's trying to challenge our faith. Not yet. I know you've sown, but not yet. Oh, but I sowed, like, I, I sowed this morning, and I want to I harvest now. Not yet. And so he, he loves us too much to give us what we want when we want it. He's trying to go, grow it up. Hello? Which means we're not always going to get what we want. I'm going to get on my bike. I'm going to go home. Trust God. That's a work of the Spirit in us. Let's not grow tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family. 
Do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. I love kids. Being a dad, I love kids. You, you give me a kid. Oh, man, what a cute kid. Oh, wow, look how cute they are. I love them. I'll spend time with them. But I tell you what, you put my kids in front of me, it's a different kind of love. I have a responsibility before God to prioritize the care of my own children in my own household. I love your kids, but I've got a responsibility for my own kids. And what? Paul, everyone, especially those in the household of faith. There's relationship. There's love. And Jesus is at the middle. This morning as we finish, I just want to, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about this concept of His life in us being loved through us. And if there's anything that's in us that's hindering our desire or our abilities around, can we do that just together now? If you're comfortable, let's pray. Father, we, we wait on your Holy Spirit just now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au. Dot com.au